All right, episode 10, Dirty Mike and the Boys podcast, back again to take a look at uh, some football, um, some college hoops this week, Um, kind of doing little previews for both the uh, upcoming fantasy playoffs that are soon ahead in the next couple weeks for you, um, as well as kind of give a little bit of a a attorney preview for what looks to hopefully be um, a full NCAA college hoop season. Um, we'll go through kind of some elements that we're excited for. Some players were nervous about, you know, going into the rest of the regular season and uh, their playoff games um, so that they can potentially help you and your, you know, your fantasy lineups kind of get a little little more tightened down in terms of uh, your, your rosters as the transaction window closes very soon. Um, as always, we'll kind of dive into the uh, – the Eric's favorite segment of the week, and uh, we'll end with our locks of the week for week 12, which hopefully will be a lot better than what we did for week 11. But before we get into that, um, any anything you guys are looking forward to with the three-game slate of games on Thanksgiving this week? We got Cowboys and Washington. We have the Lions and the Texans, and the night game, which as of right now, is still on schedule, um, but could be changed due to uh, a COVID outbreak. Uh, we have the Ravens and the Steelers facing off. Anything you guys are looking forward to for any of those three games? I don't think I've ever seen two, three, and seven teams have such an important game in NFL history. Agreed. So that'll be interesting to see who comes out on top there. I mean... If Washington wins, that's their fourth win of the year right there. Let's wow, not scare it away here. I say that one two that's, more. That's pretty big. <laughs> After that. That's that's pretty big. If they, you know, they could win two weeks in a row, that's that's some big stuff right there. I think they have the twenty-sixth hardest remaining schedule. It's it's hard regardless because they're Washington. That is fair. But yeah, I, I agree with Colton. That's the one I'm looking the most forward to uh there is a lot of risk regarding the raven steelers game so i'm kind of putting my expectations on hold for that one uh but i i do expect that one if it does get played uh to be pretty pretty steelers heavy i mean they've given me no indication to believe otherwise but yeah in the meantime i'm actually quite excited for the cowboys washington game Agreed. Plus the uh, Texans-Lions game. We got Will Fuller going off for the Texans. I'm hoping for a big game to take down my good pal, Ewick. Oh, no, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) So, Colton, since you need a big game, you know exactly what's going to happen, right? Oh, yeah, he's going to flop. Okay, as long as we're on the same page. Devin, um, most of those three games, which one do you think has the most surprises in it? Hmm. Ah, that's a great question. Um, that's why I asked it. <laughs> honestly, I could, I could possibly see an upset if this, if the uh, Steelers Ravens game um, is played. Could definitely see the Ravens pulling off an upset. Hmm. That's very. Is this, a, uh, is this a, a shot bet moment between you two? Because Eric seems very. Very confident in the Steelers. I don't. I don't know if it's but, a shot bet moment, 
but I mean, it's I'm confident enough that it may be featured later in a different segment of this podcast. <laughs> I, I can see where you're going. I was I was going to say that I I agree with Eric. I, I definitely think it's going to be Steel, uh, Steelers heavy, but of all the teams that the Steelers have played so far, I believe the Ravens may have the best chance of uh, beating them. I think it'll be a very interesting slate, and hopefully we get all three games on Thursday because uh, everyone knows that we need as much football as we can on a holiday. So, um, absolutely. Uh, let's hope that that's, that holds true. Um, before we jump into kind of our our predictions for the, the upcoming slate of games, uh, we're going to take a look back at our Week 11 picks. Um, Unfortunately, this was our worst week of the year, uh, as nobody was Yikes. accurate. So, guys, let's not give anybody a pat on the back because we don't deserve it. Um, we all close games too. They were all close games, and I mm-hmm. think there was definitely a, a couple elements that went the opposite way of what we expected to. Um, so, Colton, the Vikings fell to the Cowboys. Um, you know, Cook and Thielen still had big games, but I, I think Andy Dalton was the, the big reason that the Cowboys actually took it on the road in that game. Agreed. Um, I had Cincinnati over Washington. Um, I think if Joe Burrow didn't suffer a season-ending injury in that game, I think Cincinnati comes back and wins that game. Um, but here we are with Washington having one. So either way, I win. So that's 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 good. Um, Eric took the Buccaneers over the Rams in a very very interesting um, Monday night contest that uh, you know that that shook up a lot of you know playoff elements that that catapulted the the Rams to the top of the NFC West. And I don't think that's necessarily anything that somebody you know that you would expect them to be at the top of that division this late in the season. Yep, that was a real a real slap in the face. <laughs> and uh Devin, you took the Dolphins over the Broncos and somehow um that Broncos defense was all that they needed to uh hold Tua down to really force him to you know into a lot of difficult situations and eventually out of the game as he was replaced by Fitzpatrick towards the end. Yeah, it. I should have known going into that game that home field advantage may have also been a factor. Um, I mean, yeah, the the Broncos absolutely just torched their their secondary. Uh, I mean, four hundred fifty nine total yards. That that's that's way too many yards to to overcome and end up winning a game. Would you say they broke Tua down to a wanna? <laughs> oh, all right. You're muted for the rest oh, of the episode. You're done. Okay. All right. I'm out of here. You're I'm done. That was <laughs> terrible. I, I, I don't even know why we keep letting them out here, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> um, well, so yeah, so we can only get better, um, thankfully, from here. So that's, that's a, a positive. Um, so that's it for kind of our, our lots of the week from last week. Um, we're going to look at kind of our predictions for the rest of the, uh, the fantasy, um, schedule, um, kind of considering what some players have in terms of really nice schedules to end the regular season, as well as going into the postseason. Um, you know, kind of all going to dive into some either position group 
or players um, kind of looking at their upcoming slate and see kind of what what can really benefit, um, you know, if you have any of these guys rostered. Um, Eric, you, you've been excited ever since Justin Herbert took over that starting role for the Chargers, and I will let you unmute because I think you actually have something good here to say. Um, but oh, that seems like a long shot. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. So hopefully you can prove me right. Um, All right. Remaining schedule for Chargers, is it make him a viable start for the rest of the year just based on that alone? Of course. Of course. Uh, Justin Herbert, uh, to me, the big thing with Herbert is the eye test. I mean, Justin Herbert is playing out of his mind, and he looks great doing it. It's not just receivers being open. It's him making tough throws, him making throws that uh, other other rookies, other veterans are not making and it's uh, oh my gosh yeah talk about uh trash trash play right now he got hot for a little bit but yeah uh, he's he's really coming into his own and uh the chargers are looking like you know they definitely have their struggles they have some very clear weaknesses but they seem like uh, a pretty good team right now, and they've got a pretty good uh, schedule down the stretch. They have the Bills, and the Patriots, but that defense isn't has been allowing points. They just allowed uh, twenty seven. So, uh, and then the Falcons, Raiders, Broncos, and Chiefs—all beatable defenses there. Um, well, maybe the Broncos, but still, it's a it's a it's a good schedule going into fantasy playoffs and the eye test kind of gets it done for me. I picked him up in keeper and I'm playing him against Colton's Will Fuller and we'll probably <laughs> still lose. So I think yeah. that, that, that Chargers team is there. They've obviously underachieved this year. Um, I don't necessarily know what realistic expectations for them would have been, um, but they have a great core. And I think Eric, you've been mentioning that whole thing about the eye test. Um, this whole year and Herbert seems to continuously just you know pass it on a weekly basis he he really hasn't hit that rookie learning curve yet Um, I think it'll happen at some point but he's he's really kind of blossomed into a a plug-and-play option immediately right out of the gate which is really hard to hard to see um, in most rookie QBs Um, something that you're a little unsure about is any fantasy relevant player for the Colts so you know you got Jonathan Taylor uh, Michael Pittman, uh, if you're super desperate, T.Y. Hilton, potentially even Phillip Rivers. Um, they have a pretty heavy AFC South schedule to end the year. Um, is that going to be something that kind of turns you off from playing them on a weekly basis? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially when you're when you're looking at players down the stretch and, and you're looking to try and uh, bring home the ship in fantasy leagues try to avoid any Colts if you can at least I am Uh, Jonathan Taylor has not been what we thought he would be uh without Marlon Mack but even if he was uh I'm not calling for a breakout and I'm not I'm not going to look to him down the stretch at all or any of these other uh Colts players um I'm not starting Rivers I'm not starting Hines uh the the tight tight end landscape is shaky, so I think there's just limited options. and And even if you look at the schedule and say, okay, Titans, Texans, Raiders, and then the Texans again, all have been 
allowing quite a few points to opposing offenses, but then they feel, finish with the Steelers on uh, week 16, which is the championship Sunday for uh, fantasy league. So, uh, so I'm avoiding Colts just trying to play the long haul and avoiding uh, matchups where, uh, you know, you're going to be left hating yourself after, uh, after championship week. Colton, you've had a, a very well-professed affection for Jonathan Taylor ever since he played for the Badgers, um, and you thought that he went into a, a pretty good situation in Indy. Um, obviously, that Mac injury helped his ascension into the starting role. Um, Mac obviously could not be back next year. Um, he This was his last year of his current contract. They could not bring him back, you know, based on Taylor and Hines and Wilkins and all those guys. Um, if that's the case, do you think Taylor gets a stranglehold on taking the starting role next year, or do you think it's more of a make him prove it, start with kind of a running back by committee to open next season? I think it's so hard because the Colts just use like the hot hand, like you saw in Green Bay. No, Jonathan Taylor had the hot hand. He had a couple touchdowns that got called back. Like He just looked like the guy, so if he plays like that every week, then he can certainly you know, get that stranglehold, but it seems like they want to use all three of those guys early, early in the game. And he was the third guy off the bench that game. So there's a chance going forward. If they start Hines, he gets hot. Taylor just doesn't get the reps he needs to be that RB one uh, that you need for fantasy. So that's really tough. I think the, the receiving, you know, lack of development that he had, especially with Wisconsin was an element that really kind of, pushed him a little farther down some some rankings before the draft. He's he's shown a lot more in terms of having skills in that side of the game, um, I think more than people expected. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I think that, that certainly um, he, can, he could become the guy, but I think the team is smart, at least right now, to, to play that committee role and just play the hot hand because they're in a spot where they can't rely on one person if they want to win games, and that's essentially what they need to do right now. Jonathan Taylor is fourth on the team in receptions. Fun fact. Really? Yep. With 26 receptions. So it's, I'm assuming that TY's up there, Pittman's up there, and um, Hines are probably up Naeem Hines is the leading receiver in terms of receptions. Pascal with 31, Hilton with 29, and Taylor with 26. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I guess pa- Pascal is one of those guys you really don't think of, but that's that's interesting that he gets the volume. I guess Rivers does like his slot guys. <laughs> Speaking of high targets, um, Colton, you come into the year, you got a couple shares of Keenan Allen. You you really weren't in on him. He really hadn't done anything to you. There was nothing that gave evidence to why you didn't like him. We just kind of weren't a fan of him and i think it's pretty safe to say your tune has changed as the weeks have gone on yeah i think it's hard too because at the beginning of the year he had tyra taylor and he made that switch so early oh poor tyra taylor though like his own doctor punctured his lung yeah short end of the stick for sure but anyway so yeah you're gonna get tyra taylor he wasn't gonna feed him he was gonna go to his slot guy he was gonna go to austin eckler that was the game plan for the chargers but now Justin Herbert comes in and he's like, I have my number one. I'm going to go to him. And he went to him 
20 times in that last game. What more could you want from a wide receiver one? Um, and he found the end zone. So I think he's got a nice schedule for their fantasy playoffs. He's got the Falcons, the Raiders, and the Broncos, all beatable defenses. I think he's a great wide receiver you can lock into your roster every week. I think the next two weeks will be very interesting, though, because you know he'll have Tredavious Stephon Gilmore on him for the Pats. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that'll probably offer up um, a bit of a lower ceiling, but a higher floor. Um, but yeah, I agree. He definitely still should be plugged into your lineup just based on the volume alone. Herbert has consistently gone his way, and that ain't going to change. Doesn't matter really who they're playing. It's right. it's not gonna not really going to change what happens with Allen. Um, and to Eric, Eric mentioned it earlier, like Herbert has been throwing people open, like even if they're covered, like. Herbert seems to make people open based on their throws, and that's what great quarterbacks do. So if you can find the next QB wide receiver duo, let's say they're not quite there yet, obviously. It's only a year, but they look great so far. Agreed. On the opposite side of the spectrum, um, you know, James Conner, Elvin Kamara, two huge running back names. You know, they're going to be plugged into your lineup pretty much on a weekly basis. They're RB1s. Um, Conner's kind of been dipping a little into the, the RB2 category the last couple of weeks. But this week 11 was a, another nice bounce back for him. Um, but you're a little concerned about both of them. Um, obviously, you're not going to take Kamara out of your lineup, but what scares you about both of these options? So Kamara especially, Taysom Hill is a way different quarterback than Drew Brees. Like Drew Brees would take two seconds if his first read wasn't there. It goes to Kamara. He would have six, seven receptions. The game and his last game with Taysom Hill, he only had one reception. It was his first game in his career without a reception. So even with Jameis Winston, he would have been fine. But Taysom Hill, he's going to vulture touchdowns in the red zone. He's not going to dump the ball off to him. Like, that makes me nervous a little bit for Kamara unless they change the game up. However, he was made up. Maybe they were just, you know, easing him into the game plan, just hand the ball off and get him off the field because Latavius Murray got a lot of work in that game. Uh, on the flip side, James Conner. Man, I've, I've never seen a running back get so vultured by other running backs in the, in the end zone. Like, Benny Snell scored a touchdown, and he only had, like, four carries on the entire game, in the entire day. So, like, his usage rate is, keeps going down. In Week 16, he finishes with the Colts. It's, it's great defense. It's going to be tough to use. But, Eric, you mentioned you had a, a question for me. Yeah, so uh, how much of James Conner's utilization do you think comes down to them planning for the playoffs? Because they're obviously a playoff team, and they know it. Uh, Mike Tomlin certainly knows it. Do you think that they will start to to uh, take away more of his touches as the days go on just because they want him full force as they get into the playoffs. I definitely do think that's part of it. It's just odd in the way they use him, right? Like they use him in the middle of the field. They don't use him on third downs and they don't use him in the red zone. So in terms of football, it makes sense, you know, let him rest, especially at the end of games, you don't need him. But why not use him in the first and second quarter in the red zone when you, you know, you're trying to get that lead established? Like he's your best running back. Why don't you use him? And as a fantasy yeah. owner, that makes me really concerned. Yeah, I get that. And it, it makes it 
really curious to see what's his volume going to be like from here on out because it's already week 12. Right. So like if the if the goal line touches are gone and the volume starts to wane then what's going to happen like is he going to get enough targets to be relevant is I don't think so. Yeah, he's going to be he's going to be very much touched on dependent at that point. Yep. He's going to have to break off a long run and Fancy playoffs, that's tough to plug in your lineup. I'm less concerned about him than you guys are. I think realistically, everything that you're saying makes a ton of sense. You know, he's he's had concerns lately in terms of even if he does have the volume, his yardage totals have not been great. You know, week nine against Dallas, nine rushes, 22 yards, two catches, and he lost two yards. 13 carries for 36 and two for 12 through the air against Cincinnati in week 10. Those are two defenses that he should not struggle against. Um, and I, I do think that his health is playing a factor into what the team's doing to try to rest him. But I also do think that his his command of the backfield in terms of carries, regardless of where they are on the field, I think still gives him that inside track to being fantasy relevant, even depending on the defenses that he plays against. I think the Steelers have that that offense that's pretty well balanced while he he will get the touches. Um, but I, I think the the goal line aspect is concerning, but I, I still think he he definitely has enough there where it's not as big of a deal as it could potentially be for other backs. Does anyone want to guess how many targets he has through week 11? 25. Mike? Um, 32. Devin? Say 29. Devin got it. It's it's thirty. Dang, it's one off. Thirty that's, on the nose. That's not is, terrible though. It it's not. And the last uh, so when the last five weeks, it's been five three, two two three. So it's a little under three targets a game for a running back who has three to four competent receivers around him. Yeah, uh, it's uh. Not not as bad as I would have thought. So maybe maybe that will be enough to to keep you above water with him if you're nervous. But I don't know. Maybe maybe, but his carries have also gone from eighteen, fifteen, twenty, twenty, fifteen to nine, thirteen, thirteen. Eek eek eek. And none of those right. carries are in the red zone. I think those thirteen touches though are more game script stuff though. Yes, yeah, they were. I, leading, I think they are for sure. But it's also yes, they were beating up on a couple bad teams too. So I, to double back to Kamara before we move on, do you think um, they decide to maybe split him out more to get him involved in the passing game? I think the fact that you know he he wasn't a factor in the receiving game is obviously not something that makes that Saints offense click very well. So do you think he had spread out more kind of the next coming weeks with Hill under center? I I would love to see that. I also think they're going to start using almost like two. RB sets and a lot of RPOs with Taysom Hill, Murray, and Kamara. I think that'll be, you know, a fun offense to watch. Do you think that RPO element could potentially open it up more since Hill is a rushing threat? Yeah, I hope so. Then the Mets has to come in on the run, opens Michael Thomas up a little bit more. Um, plus, I think Kamara's injury is more than what they're telling us about. Like his usage rate was not very high. 
last week for Camara. So hopefully that goes up going forward. Fair enough. Um, Devin, um, it's hard not to be excited about anybody on that Chiefs offense, but it obviously, you know, Mahomes fits that that role very well to be, you know, excited about for the the upcoming season. Um, they have a bit of a tough task against the Buccaneers week twelve, um, but then again, Goff just absolutely torched them, so they're not as stout of a defense as they, you know, have been labeled before. Um, after that, it goes Denver, Miami, Saints, and then Falcons in the championship for fantasy, um, oh, which is Falcons in the championship game. Is it's perfect, but regardless, um, do you think that Mahomes? gets any sort of uh, a rest, I guess, in terms of the weeks going on, in terms of just changing their scheme maybe to run more as they get closer and closer to securing the, the AFC West? Or do you think it just kind of continues as it is? So I think I, I want to say that they they could run the ball a little bit more towards the end, especially, you know, playoffs coming and, you know, keep him as healthy as possible, but I definitely see see him putting up big, big numbers against Denver because the last time that, I mean, he played against them, uh, that offense scored like 37 points, so, and he had what, I think, let's see here, he had like 200 yards passing. I mean, it wasn't his best game, but, I mean, that offense is so potent. I I don't foresee him be, not being able to put up a whole lot of numbers, you know, against Denver, Miami. Uh, I mean, even with Atlanta, I still feel like he'll he'll put up some numbers. Maybe not your, you know, your thirty point fantasy game, but he'll still put up. I would imagine close to twenty points, which is an, enough. I would say. I think, I, I, yeah, I think regardless of how it happens, it could be deep passes, it could be intermediate screen game elements, you know, it, it could be the run opening up the pass. I think regardless of what happens, Andy Reid's smart enough to not change up the game plan to take it away out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, plain and simple. It, it, it's not really much of a question. Um, on the flip side, you know, with Burrow's injury, that wide receiver core is going to be a Big, big question mark uh, coming into, especially this week. You know, Ryan Finley's going to be under center. Not the, uh, not really the QB you want throwing to Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins or, you know, fantasy graveyard A.J. Green. Um, but <laughs> uh, do you think Boyd is more of a safer floor option moving forward than Higgins, or do you think both are more of a wait-and-see option? <sighs> It's so hard to say. I I think that Boyd w- would more than likely see the targets versus Higgins. Um, I mean, it just it makes me nervous with Burrow being out now because I feel like they may they may not throw the ball as much or they may they may not. I mean, but I could be wrong then too because I mean Finley could focus on you know throw targeting Boyd a lot, you know, more than anyone else in that, in that receiving course. So it's just, it's so hard to say it. And that's what, that's what makes me so nervous about it. 
Yeah, I think that offensive line is that offensive line in Cincinnati is terrible too. Like he's he's gonna make a lot of bad decisions. He's gonna make a lot of quick throws. I can't see that offense scoring more than thirteen points a game. Yeah. Well, and they they play your Giants this week too, and I know I know that defense is pretty stout, so it's gonna probably gonna be a rough go of things for that for that uh, Bengals offense. That defense is a smash play this week for sure. G men. Um, oh, and they got two guys back off the IR this week. We're we're ready to, to roll. Yep. Win that division. Xavier McKinney, the X Men. Okay, Eric, let's slow down a little bit now. <laughs> they have a good shot. Yeah, they so do I. Yeah, well, it, I can carry it away. <laughs> if if I had to pick someone right now to win the division, the New York Giants. I I think it's going to come down to Week 17. The Cowboys travel to New York. I think the winner of that game is your NFC East champion. I think. Philly still pulls this out. I don't read. I don't know why. I have blind faith. I just think that he has to find his head so far up his ass at some point, and I think he might <laughs> find it before the end of the season and maybe get to six wins. I don't know that that division oh. scares me so much. It's a bad um, division. Yeah, a bad might be a compliment at this point. Okay. Um, so for me. Um, I got two running backs kind of on my excited list, I suppose. Um, Austin Eckler, he's projected to come off the IR for week 12 um, against the Bills. You know, regardless of who they play and whatever his workload is, he could be on a pitch count. He could be full go. He did put out a post on Instagram saying that all he had to do left was uh, play in a game. Sounds like he's pretty much full speed. Um, Eckler's a smash play regardless of what week it is, you know. I think him and Herbert would have a, a great kind of relationship. Um, Herbert would have another option. He doesn't have to always look to Allen for, which opens up the offense even more. Sorry, Colton, that probably take a little bit of a target share away from Allen, but I think it overall helps open up everybody's options on that offense moving forward. Um, like we said, Bills, Pats, Falcons are the next three. Um, Eckler's got a couple solid, you know, games to kind of get back into shape before the end of the year. Um, hopefully he is back to full strength sooner rather than later, and he could be a nice late season, almost trade addition, I guess you could call it, for Eckler for any teams um, like me who needs him to show up in Dynasty. <laughs> um Another option I'm really looking forward to is Josh Jacobs. Um, you know, he his his share of just touches in that backfield is untouchable. Um, it is a little interesting to me that, you know, John Gruden likes to always roll Devontae Booker out on the second or third series of every game. Um, doesn't matter what the score is, doesn't matter really what the you know the the game plan is and whatnot. He's always out there giving Jacobs a rest. Um I think that keeps Jacobs healthy. I think that keeps him, you know, really efficient. Um, but it also takes, you know, let's say three to five tar- you know, touches away from him per game. So that's a little bit of an interesting kind of look. But he got, um, he gets the Falcons and the Jets in back-to-back weeks, which is great. Then he gets the Colts, obviously a little bit tough. And then he finishes with he gets the Chargers in week uh, 15. And then the Dolphins in week 16. 
a little bit of a tougher finish uh, with the Dolphins. Um, but, you know, again, Jacob's target share with that offense. Derek Carr has been super efficient. Um, I, th- I think Jacobs is a smash play the rest of the year. He's, he's, he's definitely got an inside track to helping get this Raiders team back to the playoffs. Um, an element that I'm nervous about that we kind of spoke about with uh, Devin a little bit ago was just the, the Bengals receivers in general. You know, we touched on Boyd before. Um, he he certainly looks to probably be the, the safest option moving forward. Um, obviously, we won't know until we see Ryan Finley out there. Um, but I think T Higgins is like the biggest question mark. You, you don't know what's going to happen. I think he's got a, a lot of potential. He showed a lot of good games with uh, Burrow when he spread the ball out. Um, so he's going to be a name to watch. Um, AJ Green potentially, and this hurts to say, but put potentially um, become fantasy relevant again, um, which would just be so much fun for everybody else in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um so we'll have to see. I think that that receiver group is definitely a wait and see um, right now. Um, but if you do have to start somebody right away, um, I do think um, Boyd is probably your top option with Higgins not too far behind. Um, that pretty much covers that. Um, I guess, yeah, Eric, let's do your segment and then we can go into the locks of to week 12 and then we'll finish up with um our college hoops kind of look at preview so eric take it away okay here we go so gardner Minshew's potato of the week uh my potato this week i is slash are any commentators who are announcing bucks games because (laughs) they because they drove for tom brady and it no one, no one really likes the guy anymore. Once he left New England, I feel like no one like is like, yeah, you, you deserve this one, man. So they just drool over how great he is, and he is great, sure. But the thing that gets me is they're always like, oh, he's got the ball back with two minutes left, and he has forty-seven career game-winning drives, and uh, and here he is with another chance to do that here. However, he has been the biggest potato this year when it comes to trying to do that with two minutes left. He had the uh, infamous fourth down conundrum uh, that occurred when he couldn't remember what down it was. And then he threw an interception in this past week against the Rams to seal the game and they lost. So, yes, is he probably the greatest of all time? Probably. I I wouldn't dispute that. (laughs) Does he have 47 game-winning drives? Yes. Is he also a big, big trash can when it comes to game-winning drives this year? You bet your bottom dollar. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> uh, it's so easy to throw flat at Brady. Um, and yes, there obviously are a lot of stats that work in his favor, but this year just hasn't been great. And I think every football fan can revel at least a little bit in the disappointment that Brady has put up so far, but we all know what's going to happen. He's going to get the fourth seed. Uh, he's or the fifth seed, excuse me. He's going to be the top wild card. He's going to play the NFC East, which is essentially a buy in the first round. He's going to work some Brady S stupid fucking magic in the playoffs. Like he always does. 
And <laughs> it's it's just going to be something that's just going to make us all hate the sport all over again, just for that little bit. So hopefully his bad luck continues. Um, but the commentators really do need to get off of, you know, wedding Brady on a weekly basis. Um, Cap running Brady? Yes, exactly that. Um, I'll 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 stick with the uh, the the NFL um, nominee of the week. Um, it's not a person; it's a group of people, and it sucks that this even has to be a topic. Um, but in the the Green Bay Colts game, um, Marquez Valdez Scantling uh, fumbled on the opening possession of overtime after the Packers just drove down and uh, knocked through a field goal with a couple seconds left. Um, and he fumbled on the first drive of overtime. The Colts recovered, drove down for a field goal, and won the game. It happens. Fumbles happen. That was his first NFL fumble. He had never even fumbled one out of bounds. They had never had fumbled and recovered. This was his first ever fumble. Turnovers happen. Nobody's perfect. It happens. But there were fans everywhere who were calling for MVS to you know be to be released. They were throwing unnecessary shade at him. There was reported death threats sent his way. It was just absolutely abhorrent and just gross. It doesn't matter what a player does in terms of on-field performance. If something like that happens, you 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 can be disappointed. You can be upset it happened. You can be mad that it happened. You can be whatever bad word you want to fill in there. You do not go after a player based on what happened and verbally assault them regardless of what is said. That's just not what happens. It, it's just it's just inappropriate. There really isn't much. He handled it really well afterwards. Um, he spoke to the media. He said that he thought it was a responsibility he had to show people, you know, you can uh, overcome adversity in certain elements. He's not going to let this get him down. His teammates had his back through all this. That Matt Lafleur had a really telling um, response to a question about it. It's it's just it's it it sucks to see. It really does. I it sucks. I think too. Like Devonte Adams was so bad his rookie season. Like the amount of drop balls they call for him to be gone too. Had. Right. I just, I just think like he's an All Pro wide receiver now. Like one of MVS turns into an All Pro, and you were writing him off after a year it's exactly it's it's just not not fair regardless of what the player is and you just you can't do something like that yeah and i i think that uh when i think of this i think two things i think one he has already shown to be very coachable and he has shown to be like he has been improving in certain aspects of his game since when he first came to the Packers and then second at the end of the day it's just you know it's a football game and that that kind of behavior is uncalled for but I don't know I think as Packer fans for me and Mike we just hope that it's not something that gets to him in the future and he and he and he is able to channel that into growth into becoming a good player even if he's not a long-term Packer yeah just be better people that's pretty much all it boils down to yeah, it's incredible how people blow things out, way out of proportion. Speaking of blowing things out of proportion, uh, Nebraska's uh, return to what they thought was the decision that helped bring back Big Ten football 
truly hasn't gone their way so far. And I think that makes every every Big Ten fan very happy um, because they're kind of like the uh, adopted stepchild that nobody wanted. Um, <laughs> and uh, their their affinity not playing good football um, certainly was on display this past Saturday. Uh, Devin, I've, I haven't seen you play sports before. I can only imagine you are very, very coordinated. Um, but would you have handled their fake punt situation a little bit better than they did? Oh my God. So talk about potato. So the whole point of the, the, the front, you know, line and a punt return is to get to the ball, get to the punter and try to block the ball. Right. Well, what, what is this? Like not even attempt to do that, and then run back as if the the ball is being punted when in reality it, it wasn't. And now all of a sudden the punter's taken off with the ball, and Jukin ghosts out in the field trying to get the first down. Like, oh man! If I tell you what, if if I was a special teams coach in Nebraska, I I would have lost my shit. I, I would have. <laughs> I would have just thrown the headset down, and I would have just walked walked away. I'd be like, "You guys, you guys are just idiots." Good old Nebraska. Gotta love it. He was trying to show that he is athletic, but he was also probably trying to figure out how far the first down marker was ahead, and it it just was gross. It, like that move actually made Illinois football look good, and that's really hard to do. <laughs> right. I will say that Illinois' uh, athletic Twitter account put out a, a pretty pretty good tweet, though. But they took it down. Oh, oh they did. Yeah. Uh-huh. People so thought. Dang. That was, that, was, that was a grade A tweet. I'll say that. Remember much. exactly what it was, Devin? Um, uh, it said something along the lines of... Uh, we're we're so thankful that Nebraska brought football back to the Big Ten. The exact wording is "Good game, Nebraska. Thanks for bringing back Big Ten football." Yep. And it it savage in the moment, totally accurate. But like, if you're Nebraska, you you should have you should be ashamed that a team. No offense, Devin. Obviously, you're an Iowa fan, but Illinois still is a part of you, regardless. Um. It's still you should nah, feel really bad that uh, a team that, like the Illini can trash you on Twitter almost as bad as they trashed you in the game. Yeah, that's pretty bad. So I just saw the play. I hadn't seen this. I just watched it. That punter is my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> that air juke just was amazing. It's savage. So funny. All right, Colton, you're uh, you're, you're going off uh, the non-athletic, um, and unfortunately going to the Bachelorette for your uh, potato of the week. Um, oh man, this if you if you guys haven't seen this, you have to go on YouTube and find the clip. This dude, his opening line in the entire show was, "My name's Bennett, and I went to Harvard." Okay, so this date in this last episode was a grown man date. And part of it is like a math test, the spelling test. The dude got every single spelling, every, every single word spelled wrong and didn't even know what 25 minus 9 was. And he blamed it 
on the wording of the question when everybody else got it right. I think Harvard needs to reduce their tuition bill because holy crap, this dude is a moron. <laughs> Sound like they're letting anybody in nowadays. No kidding. Daddy's money got him in, probably. Well, it sure as shit wasn't his IQ. <laughs> I didn't see that, Mike. What did he say? That wasn't 16. Do you remember? What, like, I don't know, like 30. Like something completely yeah, obscene. The answer was he, he added instead of subtracting. Yeah, I don't know what he did. He was like, he's like, oh, well, I guess that makes sense, but it was a pretty poorly worded question. Give me some tea and donuts. Man, this, this man makes me feel <laughs> important. <laughs> I, I'll go for some donuts. I'm going to say that's one, that's the one moment where we can all say we're smarter than a Harvard grad. <laughs> Facts. That might be it. All right, for our launch of the week this week, um, let's see. We got uh, Colton sticking with uh, his favorite team, the Giants, over the Bengals. Um, I'm going to take the Raiders over the Falcons in what will probably be a high-scoring game. Uh, Eric is going to take the Steelers over the Ravens if that game is played. Obviously, COVID could change that. Um, If it is not played, he's going to go with the Cardinals over the Patriots. And Devin is going to unfortunately go with the Bears over the Packers because apparently he thinks that's a good decision. Regardless, um, that's pretty much it. Um, Hope everybody has a good rest of your week. Have a good Thanksgiving and a good weekend. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next week. See you later.